0: according to St. Matthew chapter 10 beginning with verse 24. Let us listen for the word of God. A disciple is not above the teacher nor a slave above the master. It is enough for the disciple to be like the teacher and the slave like the master. If they have called the master of the house above, how much more will they malign those of his household? So have no fear of them, for nothing is covered up that will not be uncovered, and nothing secret that will not become known. What I say to you in the dark, tell in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim from the housetops. Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Are not one of them? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your Father. And even the hairs upon your head are all counted. So do not be afraid. You are more valuable than many sparrows. Everyone, therefore, who acknowledges me before others, I also will acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever denies me before others, I also will deny before my Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And one's foes will be members of one's own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take up the cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Those who find their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake will find it. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Dear God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and redeemer. Amen. Jesus tells us elsewhere, come to me, all you who are heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, for it is easy and light. Elsewhere, Jesus tells us, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, I do not give you peace. As the world gives, so do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Jesus is a source of great comfort. He is the calm amid the storm, a rock and a fortress against the bulwarks of time, and his peace is our peace. And yet in today's readings, we are presented with trouble and challenge Because the peace that Jesus describes here in the missionary discourse delivered to his disciples is one that is not acquiescence with the world, but rather a peace that we have independent of the vicissitudes of life, a peace that is rooted not in our relationships with others, but upon Jesus Christ, the cornerstone, the unmovable cornerstone of our faith. There are a lot of restless souls out in the world, and some of them may be among us today. I hope so, because this is a good place to be. There are people who are lonely, battling depression, experiencing a sense of loss, trying to fill a newly created void in their lives, confronting the loss of a loved one, a job, a relationship, and who are embarking, perhaps, on a new beginning, There are people disillusioned with what they face and what they experience. There are people like the hemorrhaging woman who we read about last week who are reaching, desperately reaching, trying to grasp at the robe of Jesus Christ for a healing and an experience of love that they cannot provide for themselves. There are people in search of a healing and balm of some sort that eases the struggles and lightens the loads that they are carrying. Not just for those who are desperate and who have nowhere else to turn, but Jesus Christ, that cornerstone, is our singular hope. He is our acceptance and comfort and strength, and the church will always be a place for those who seem to have nowhere else to go. I believe that the Christian faith has practical and tangible benefits. It makes our lives better. Doesn't it comfort you to believe and to know that Jesus Christ died for you? Doesn't it help you to know that he reigns in heaven right now for you and that when you pray, you are praying to someone who can actually doing, who can actually do something about what you are asking and praying for Isn't it helpful to know that you are never alone? Emmanuel, God is with us. And in addition to whatever strength or wisdom the Spirit provides us, that there may be some forces at work that are above our pay grade, those which we cannot control and that are outside of our understanding. Christian faith is a source of incredible comfort. I know this because I have felt it and experienced this, and I know this because as a minister, I have seen the Christian faith at work in the lives of others. The Abrahamic covenant expressed in Genesis 12, 1 through 3, is a threefold promise of God to Abram and Sarai, a progeny or children, land and blessing. While God promises all of this, God never promised that there would not be hardship. Trial, temptations, difficulties, and threats of all sorts along the way. Well, God met Abram and Sarah in their hour of need and promised them great things for their lives. He never told them that they wouldn't have to wait to struggle, face trials and temptations of all sorts. He never told them that their faith in God's promises would be easy. And, in fact, if you read about all of the Israelite patriarchs and matriarchs, you learn that their lives were far from easy. And this is an unfortunate lesson that those who observe what happens inside the church eventually learn, that in spite of the promises of faith, life is just as difficult for us as it is for others. The rain falls on the good and the evil alike. Hardship and challenge, things that we wish didn't happen, continue to happen. I do, however, believe that we're better equipped, because we have a faith in God, and I'll get to that later. Each of the twelve disciples as well learned this in their experience of faithfully following Jesus Christ. Called from ordinary and routine ways of life, the disciples saw Jesus perform miracles, and they even performed them themselves. They saw Jesus embrace the outcast, extend love to the unloved, and offer forgiveness to all. Amid the literal and metaphorical storms of life, Jesus was the calm that stilled the storm and brought them safely into harbor. Yet each disciple experienced hardship. They would be persecuted and martyred for their faith. Life was difficult for them because of the faith that they chose to live with. But they never abandoned their faith. Because their faith was based not upon their enjoyment of God's benefits, but based upon the conviction that Christ was Lord. And this was independent of what they experienced. Our Gospel lesson from Matthew 10, 24 through 39 is what is known as the missionary discourse. These verses are a series of sayings that are put together by the Gospel writer in such a way that they are meant to empower and to guide the disciples as they go do their mission in the world. And here, the type of faith that Jesus commends for his followers is not simply a pursuit of that which makes us feel better, but a faithful and unwavering conviction in the promise of God. Jesus tells them a disciple is not above the teacher, nor a slave above the master. It's not enough for the disciples to be like the teacher. It is enough for the disciples to be like the teacher and the slave like the master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more will they malign those of his household? What Jesus is telling us is that we must always know our place. As the epistle to the Romans tells us, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought. The disciple is not above the teacher. The disciples are not above Christ, and the church is always second to the one who calls us into being. Jesus is our chief cornerstone. And in spite of all we can accomplish, great strides in so many areas of life, advancements, in progress, our need for God remains oh so evident. Much less comforting, unfortunate, and concerning even, is that if Jesus was challenged, persecuted, unjustly put on trial, and crucified, Why should his followers expect anything different for their lives? Jesus is telling us that a life of faith, in spite of great practical benefit, is hard and challenging. We cannot have just some of what Jesus offers. We must have it all. And with that comes not only the benefits of faith, but its hardships as well. William Barclay, Scottish theologian, recalls J.P. Mahaffey of Trinity College, Dublin, who was once asked at a dinner party if he was a Christian. And the professor's response was this, yes, I am a Christian, but not offensively so. (laughs) This is not the faith Jesus is calling us to. As the Apostle Paul urges us, do not be ashamed of the gospel to which you are being called. The peace to which Jesus is calling us is not the peace of passive agreement, acquiescence with the world in an effort to avoid disagreement, and the friction that comes with the way we live our lives. Instead, it is the peace of knowing who we are as a creation of God's. It is the ordering of our priorities, knowing Jesus is Lord and Savior and everything else, even our families as a secondary gift from God. Jesus comforts us, telling us, So have no fear of them, those who disagree, for nothing is covered up that will not be uncovered, and nothing secret that will not become known. Have no fear, a command that is repeated throughout the Bible. To Joshua, before entering the Promised Land, God says, Do not be afraid, for the Lord is with you wherever you go. To the psalmist David, the Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? And in the 23rd Psalm, often read at memorial services, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for God is with me. And your rod and your staff, they comfort me. As God delivered to Isaiah, to deliver to the Israelites in Babylon. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Have no fear, because as Jesus continues, what I say to you in the dark, tell in the light. And what you hear whispered, proclaim from the housetops. Nicodemus approached Jesus at night, and what he was told would transform how he lived his days. The Lord spoke to the young boy Samuel as he was trying to sleep. God spoke to Elijah in a whisper. And as a result, they did not trust in the plans of humanity, but in God, the one who offers so much more than the world. Do not fear those who kill the body. But cannot kill the soul fear God alone Jesus continues are not two sparrows sold for a penny yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from the father and even the hairs on your head are all counted so do not be afraid you are more valuable than many sparrows for me this is one of the most comforting messages of Scripture that God knows the hairs upon our heads It's both humbling and inspiring to know that the infinite and almighty creator of the ends of the world and the universe intimately knows me and you inside and out. As Psalm 8 wonders what is humanity that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them. As you look out at the city from a tall building, and see all the cars, trains, planes, boats, and all the people that are so busily moving about. Isn't it amazing to think that God knows each and every one of them? When you're standing on the shoreline, looking out at the ocean and the vast expanses of the horizon, maybe even seeing the coming moon in the distance, isn't it intimidating to consider our place within the world? And yet, amid the expanses of the universe which we are discovering ever more about, God knows the hairs upon our heads. With so much that might weigh on our hearts, with so many concerns amid all the busyness of life, we are not anonymous before God. Instead, we go to a God who knows us so well that he knows the hair upon our heads. I hope these words from Scripture encourage you to trust in the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ and to remind you that you're never alone, that God loves you, and that God is with you, even in the darkest valleys. On a personal note, this verse about knowing God... And about God knowing the hairs upon our heads is so comforting to me because if God knows the hairs that are upon my head, then surely God knows my fears, concerns, hopes, and dreams. And while I offer imperfect prayers that couldn't possibly put it right, and though I may not always be worthy of approaching God through Jesus Christ, I and we go to a God who knows all that there is to know about us. What comfort and what courage that should give each of us in approaching God. While Jesus knowing the hairs upon our heads is one of the most encouraging verses of Scripture, at least for me, the Scripture from the Old Testament today, which Chesnut read, the one about Abraham sending Hagar and Ishmael away, is one of the most challenging and saddest pieces of Scripture, at least for me. But what I find redeeming within the scripture is that amid all that is disappointing and heartbreaking, when Ishmael and Hagar were at their lowest, at their most desperate point, at that point in which the banished people are at their point of almost dying, when Ishmael is left abandoned underneath a bush. Even his mom is at a distance from him. The boy Ishmael cries out. He's desperate with just one plea. He's crying out, and it's at this point that God hears him, and God provides the well of water off at a distance. The early Early patristic exegesis, theologians interpreting scripture in the years 0 to 400 AD often employ an allegorical reading of scripture, and one of their interpretations of the Old Testament is that whenever you come across the word desert or dehydration, they believe what is also being described in addition to the literal, because scripture can work so richly, is a desert or lack of the word of God. So, for example, when Jesus was being tempted in the wilderness, he, of course, was the word of God, but he was at a place where the word of God was so desperately needed. When the Israelites wandered in the wilderness, they were in a place that was void of the word of God if it was not for God shining down upon the Israelites. And here, as Ishmael and Hagar are becoming dehydrated, they are interpreted as being a people without the word. But God will provide a well of water that would nourish them and their souls and that would give them new life. This is the gift of faith that God always provides. Living with Christian faith is living with a conviction that can never be taken away. It's a conviction that we are called to bring with us not only from the mountaintops and the oceans of life, but into the valleys and the deserts. Ours is a faith that goes from the sanctuary to the hospital room and everywhere in between. We are tasked with living our faith through all the vicissitudes of life, knowing the great joys and blessings of life as gifts from God, the valleys and struggles as moments in which we must lean upon the grace of God. Faith is our well of water. Faith is what nourishes our souls and helps us in our weakest weakness when we are at our lowest and most desperate. Try not to be afraid. Take heart. Know that you are known by God. Know that God knows the hairs upon your head. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.